Well, let's continue today looking at uh, some of the promises found in the book of Proverbs. Again, the Psalms give us Christ singing the law. The Proverbs give us Christ meditating on the law. Proverbs chapter 1 was all about listening to God and being holy and that the blessings are there for those who walk in that holiness. Let's look at a few verses. Proverbs chapter 2, starting verse 6. The Lord gives wisdom from his mouth comes knowledge and understanding. This should sound a lot to us like James, the half-brother of Jesus, who wrote, If you lack wisdom, ask God who gives generously to all without reproach. So, first part here is to step into life and say, if I need wisdom for my relationships, uh, my finances, my goals, Proverbs here, and James says, if you need wisdom, to ask God for wisdom. Give an example of that. Here's Dutch Sheets, who writes books about prayer, does seminars on prayer. He was questioning, though, how come sometimes, as he said, does the word not work for me? So if you find a scripture, we know all things are yes and amen in Christ, and those promises are there for us. And Dutch Sheet says, you know, I found scriptures, prayed them, proclaimed them, didn't happen in my life. Why doesn't the word work for me? And so he went to prayer asking God for wisdom. And he shared, you know, he prayed, he meditated, looked at scripture, and he felt that God responded by saying this, because all truth comes in seed form. And what you do with that seed after it's planted determines whether or not it bears fruit in you. You know, Jesus, when he talked about parables, we're told that he said, if you don't understand this parable, you don't understand anything. And the parable that he then gave was, of course, the parable of the seed. Some seed planted in healthy soil that produced much fruit. Other seed planted in toxic or shallow soil and it produced nothing. It vanished. And so again, if you lack wisdom and you need wisdom, pray and trust God will bring that answer. And a great point here from Dutch Sheets, just emphasizing again this understanding that all truth comes in seed form. What you and I do with it determines if it produces fruit or it simply vanishes. So as we look at some principles here today, we can listen and say that's interesting or that's a historical thing to study. If we do nothing with it, though, that seed, it doesn't bear fruit. If we take and put into practice some of the things we'll talk about today, some things I'll give you that you and I can start this very day to do to change our life, if we put that into practice, that seed put to use produces fruit. Sage Robbins says it well, the mind wants to distract itself. As we've talked about many times, the brain is not designed to produce happiness. It's designed for survival. And it's so easy to get distracted because, you know, we don't maybe want to think about a situation that needs solved. And so it's easier to just become distracted by entertainment, busyness, things like that. Maybe rather than stepping in and fixing a relationship, it's easier to, to just sit down and watch TV and ignore it. The mind wants to distract itself. We've all been in prayer at times and suddenly you start to think of a grocery list. The point is though that we have to stop and say, let me take conscious control of my thinking, focus on what is wise, listen to that word and put it into practice. We want to live that daily hallelujah life. That word hallelujah, it literally means to celebrate God. And our life, we want it to be about daily celebrating, focused 
choosing to think upon these things that are there before us. I'll give you something interesting. Something interesting here. Mike Murdoch said successful people turn their bad memories into motivation. You know, a lot of us may want to distract from some things that happened. But here's what it is to, to grow from no matter what circumstance was there before us. I'll give you some examples. George Foreman, famous boxer, shared growing up there were they were so poor, there were days his family didn't eat. On those days when he didn't eat, he would walk through neighborhoods and look at these houses and dream about not just owning a house himself, but he said, one day I'm going to be successful and buy my mother a house. And so he used that pain to drive himself to be this championship boxer. Kevin Costner, the, the well-known actor, shared that you know his life's journey has been about pleasing his dad. And it pushed him to become this hard worker that sought to be the best. Kirk Douglas, the actor, shared his biggest regret in life was to not receive the blessing of his father. And so he too became this driven person trying to, to gain approval. You know, Billy Graham had this marriage to Ruth and they you know, were very known for their, their love for each other. But he himself shared she was not his very, and that person broke his heart. And the words he used, he said, that for me was paradise lost. But from that, he said, I, I sought to be the, my next relationship would be one that lasts. That is wisdom in action. A seed that is planted that's ignored, it's going to vanish away. A seed that is planted that is taken, put into action, put into our life, that's a seed that produces much fruit. The, the promise, uh, again, and who it's for, verse 7. God gives success to the upright, to those whose walk is blameless. God's success is given to the upright, the blameless. We know none of us are without sin, but we know also there's a difference between living life in a way, as you'll see in a moment, that laughs at sin, Versus living a life that says, I'm trying to walk in Christ and let him be the center of my life. We're blameless in the sense that Christ has proclaimed his righteousness is ours. And as we faithfully follow him, we can say, listen, scripture says that success is for those who seek first the kingdom and his righteousness and all other things are added unto him. We need to remember the Lord reserves his blessing for his holy people, not those who are without sin, but those who listen and say, let me walk in him and be found faithful. Even when I stumble and fall, I turn back and repent and, and seek his face. You know, years ago, Southwest Airlines did a, an interesting study. They found that, think about this, 95% of complaints they received were about 5% of their employees who gave poor customer service. So they came up with the idea, let's stop hiring people at the gate that we shouldn't hire. And so they came up with this way to interview. Very interesting. What they did is when a candidate applied for a job, they would have that person give a speech about good customer service. And they didn't watch the candidate they watched the audience and if the audience leaned in and was engaged and there was eye contact and just they sensed a, a positive person 
they'd hire that employee. If the employee gave a speech and the audience was disengaged, there was no eye contact, they were uncomfortable, they said there's something wrong with this person and people are picking up on that. And so they stopped hiring people based on that. And it all came down to essentially though, this same thing we talk about, it was character. The people could sense good character. They could sense bad character. And so they stopped those people at the front end of the interview from ever getting hired. It all comes down to, again, do I live a life that seeks to be like Jesus? Do I live a life that reflects him because other people are going to notice? Notice clearly Proverbs 2 verse 12. Wisdom will save you from the ways of wicked men, men whose words are perverse. Wisdom. If you listen to the words of Christ and you follow what he instructs us to follow and we take on his mind, we're saved from wicked men, from the perverse. But notice the next verse. From people that delight in doing wrong and rejoice in the perverseness of evil. There are far too many people, quite simply, that delight in doing wrong, that rejoice in evil. You see, that's what we're talking about when we say the blessings of God are reserved for his holy people. Holy doesn't mean perfect. We all have sin, but there's a difference between a stumble and somebody who lives a life and says, I rejoice in my sin. I delight in doing wrong. 1 Corinthians 15, 33, Paul makes it clear. Don't fool yourselves. Bad friends will destroy you. Don't fool yourselves. Bad friends will destroy you. As I share often, most people's lives are a direct reflection of the expectation of their peer group. Bad friends will destroy you. We have to be clear about who is influencing our life. Not just a, a physical person, but who do you listen to when it comes to music? What do you watch when you watch a movie? What kind of stuff do you read and put into your mind? Those that delight in doing wrong. Scripture has some very clear words for them. That our prayer would be like Robert Pierce who said, rather than rejoice in evil, rather than celebrate sin, let my heart be broken with the things that break the heart of God. Let my heart be broken with the things that break the heart of God, that we might pray and say, Lord, let me see things like you see them in this world where people laugh and mock at sin and rejoice in perverseness. So let me give you something you and I can do. You can do it every day, and I, I trust that we will. I'll share where some of this idea came from. You go back to 250 AD, you'll find St. Anthony. He's known as the first Christian monk. St. Anthony wanted to get away from people that rejoiced in evil. So he went off to the desert to pray, meditate, study scripture. I love how St. Anthony was described in two words. He was described as a healthy man. A healthy man, physically, spiritually, emotionally. People came from all over the world to sit at his feet, to be taught, to be prayed over, asking that he'd pray for their healing. 
He wanted to spend time alone, and for years he was in the desert, but people still gathered around him. It's from his example that now we know what we call monasteries were created, places people can go and be in solitude and silence. And St. Anthony would come out of the desert and teach, and he'd go back to the desert. But he was known as a healthy man. In a, in a day and age where people lived to be 30 to 40, St. Anthony lived over 100 years old. Why was he healthy, though? He was healthy because he devoted his life to seek first his kingdom, all his righteousness. Now go forward to about 1000 AD, there's Simeon. Simeon following some of the examples of like St. Anthony. And Simeon shared something that's been around now 2,000 years. Jesus shared this prayer. And it's known today as the Jesus Prayer. And you might have heard us talk about it before. Listen to Simeon, 1,000 AD. So 1,000 years ago, Simeon, this believer, shared with his followers and said, use the Jesus prayer. And here's his, here's his way of teaching, his advice. Sit down alone in silence. Close your eyes. Breathe out gently. Carry your thoughts from your head to your heart. should sound a lot like what we talk about often here, that even just placing your hand on your heart is going to change your, your brain waves, your body's biochemistry. Because you get out of your head and into your heart, that's where you find your true self, your, your true spiritual connection to God. That's where you get out of your head. Remember, in your head, you're dead. You get away from the distractions and all the thinking, and you just in a place of worship. So sit down in silence, close your eyes, breathe out gently, carry your thoughts from your head to your heart. Just put your hand over your heart. Here's what he recommends, the, the Jesus prayer, which is this. Just say, Lord Jesus Christ, have mercy on me. As Simeon says, be calm, be patient, repeat the process frequently. How frequently do believers like Simeon teach the prayer? It's important to remember Jesus said don't use vain repetition. He never said don't use repetition. He said don't use vain repetition, meaninglessly repeating something. But it's fine to repeat a prayer when it's something you truly mean. And so when you say, Lord Jesus Christ, have mercy on me, here's the challenge. Simeon and others recommend a goal of praying that prayer 3,000 times a day. Now, look, most are not going to jump into a 3,000 times a day commitment, but here's what I would challenge that once, twice an hour. No matter what's happening, where you are, you just quietly slow down, close your eyes, and put your hand on your heart. Lord Jesus Christ, have mercy on me. Later on in the day, you just consciously remind yourself, yes, Lord Jesus Christ, have mercy on me. You want to be a, a healthy man, a healthy woman like St. Anthony's example. 
It's taking wisdom and saying, here's the seed. Am I going to ignore the seed or am I going to water the seed so it produces fruit? Because holiness, again, it's not about being perfect, but it is taking and listening and applying what Scripture says. Another place is to remember gratitude. And as Chloe Madonna says, if you can't think of anything right now, then consider all the people behind the scenes who make things happen that impact our lives. You know, you can look at any item in your house, in your car, in your office, and you know that dozens of people had a hand in making that happen and bringing it into your life. And if you can't think of anything else, look at a product and just say, thank you, God, for how many people worked so that I could have that. And with gratitude and your hand on your heart, and you simply say, Lord Jesus Christ, have mercy on me until it becomes a part of our thinking. You know, John chapter 1, it's a, it's a chapter in the gospel that talks about John the Baptist and then Jesus Christ. And John the Baptist, Jesus said, there's none like him in all the world. We're told in John 1, there's a man sent from God. His name was John. He did not fail to confess, I am not the Messiah. So they asked, are you the prophet? He said, no, I'm the voice of one calling in the wilderness. Make straight the way of the Lord. People gathered around John, are you Messiah? No, I'm pointing to Messiah that will come. And notice what happens at the end of John chapter one. The next day, John was with two disciples. He saw Jesus and said, look, the Lamb of God. And when the two disciples heard him say this, they followed Jesus, just like John had wanted. Think about all the time and commitment John the Baptist put into these two disciples, but the moment they saw Jesus, they walked away and went and followed him. Even though they already had the greatest teacher up to that time, there was no comparison, and John wanted it to be that way. But it should be that way for our life, no matter what is there in our life that we say nothing compares to him. And that we walk away from anything and everything to be obedient to his calling. To say it's, it's him that I want to know and nothing else compares. Lord Jesus Christ, have mercy on me. Proverbs 2, 21, as we wrap up here, says, The upright will live in the land, the blameless remain in it. The wicked will be cut off. Just like in chapter 1 of Proverbs, the blameless and they're in the blessings of God. There's the other that's self and sin and rejoices in evil and they will be cut off. And wisdom challenges us and says, which one do you think is life? Which one do you think produces a healthy man, a healthy woman living like the world or taking on the mind of Christ? Jeff Streit shared about a friend of his that worked at 84 Lee, and, and you know, he said that one day he was sitting alone in this cafe and kind of thinking about more serious things in life, and a stranger walked up and said, I feel like I'm supposed to give you something. Hands this man a Bible and walks away. Jeff Streit shared his friend. He went home, and he, he opened this Bible up, and he read a, a few verses, and there were footnotes that said, after you read this verse, turn to this page, read this verse. And so he thought the footnotes were interesting. So he'd read, look at the footnote, turn to page 11. 
turn to page, read a verse, footnote said, turn to page 20. Did this for several minutes, and then one footnote said, turn to page 84. And this man, again, works at 84 Lumber, and he said, that's interesting. I wonder what's on page 84. And he turns and he reads Acts chapter 3, verse 19. Repent and turn to God. So your sins may be wiped away and times of refreshing may come from the Lord. And this man gave his life to Christ. You see, as scripture says, there's a way that seems right to man, but in the end it leads only to death. But there's a right way to follow life, know the blessings, to be that healthy man, that healthy woman, to know the promise and walk in him. Kristen Claypool, a, a young woman from Detroit, saw a chance to go on a mission trip to Cuba. She heard they needed Bibles, but she can't bring them into the country. So she thought, well, I'll hide them in my suitcase, cover them up with some clothes. But as she put the Bibles in and covered them up with clothes and zipped up her luggage, she realized she didn't have enough clothes, so she just put on layers, thinking nobody will notice. She had three pairs of pants on, four shirts. She walked a little bit funny. She stood out because now she looks odd because she's wearing all these clothes. She goes to Detroit Airport. They stop her. They call her over for a pat-down. Open up your suitcase, they say. She does. They see the Bibles. They don't care. Send her on her way. They stop next in the Bahamas. They also see her walking funny. See, she looks odd. Call her over for a pat down. They say, open the suitcase. She does. They see the Bibles. They don't care. It's in Cuba. And that's a different story. Sure enough, she gets off the plane. She's bulky with these clothes on. She's walking funny. They immediately say, come over here for a pat down. The guard says to her, open your luggage. As Kristen said, she grabbed the zipper, it was stuck. The guard in anger said, open the luggage now. She pulled on the zipper again, it was stuck in anger. The guard grabbed the suitcase, pulled it to his side and yanked on the zipper, but it wouldn't move. Now there's a crowd behind them waiting to board the plane. So he shoves it back to her and says, get on your taxi and get out of here. She leaves, gets to the hotel, takes out scissors, tries to open up the luggage with the scissors, but before she cuts, she grabs the zipper and with no effort, it unzips. She realized a miracle had taken place because the Lord blesses those who truly seek his face, who want to be that healthy man that healthy woman who leave everything behind and follow Jesus.